1: Welcome to Trouble with a Script, a sports movie podcast for people that appreciate a little authenticity. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho, I'm a freelance writer, podcast host, and a huge sports fan. Trouble with a Script is a sports movie podcast, focusing almost exclusively on the sports-centric content of sports movies. What worked, what didn't work, and what could have been done to fix it. Today I'm happy to be joined by former writer for Total Frat Move, current writer for Rare, Rob Fox. Rob, how are you doing? good man how about you i'm doing great man i'm i'm really excited to uh to, to talk about this movie with you um real quick what you were the one who um who wanted to do a league of their own what why does this movie stand out for you as far as sports movies go
2: um i i think it's my it's my favorite baseball movie um and baseball's my favorite sports so it's, it's my favorite sports movie actually really the more the more i think about it um almost by default cuz i like baseball movies the best but i i um you know i grew up with like a league of their own or um with uh, uh major league you know i saw that as like a little kid like my fan my parent my parents loved it so i that was probably the first one i saw also for, a classic right as far as great baseball movies go it's clear, i feel like there's a big three it's it's major league uh bull Durham, and the sandlot and then like a league of their own is kind of just on the outside of that i know people love like um a field of dreams and stuff too. But for me, those are kind of like the big, at least three, like they're comedies. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can't argue with that. I didn't really, I didn't really do the lead as well as I, but obviously today we're talking about a league of their own. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible, the Rockford Peaches.
0: Peaches!
1: And yeah, I I think, um, I think you're right. It's, it might not be like right in the, the power three, but it's um it's great. And it's uh, before right before we uh, we started recording, we were talking about how rewatchable it is. And that's another thing like it's it's way more rewatchable than like a, a field of dreams or like the natural.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not huge on um, baseball dramas as much in general, like Bull Durham. I think Bull Durham does a good job. And so does actually a league of their own. A good job between, you know, like serious scenes and, and keeping it light almost because mm-hmm. like I wouldn't call League of Their Own a straight comedy because uh, it's not. I, I mean, it's really just like a story, you know, it's like a sports movie. It's like half com. It's it's almost like the way like a Marvel movie is now where it's like half comedy, half action. This is, you know, it's half comedy, half drama. Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's there's lighthearted stuff in the dugout. And then there's a woman finding out her husband was KIA in the Pacific. So, Right. Exactly. Definitely a mix of both.
2: Yeah, and and even just drama with this on the sports side too. Whether it's trying to win the championship or just you know position battles stuff, stu- all of that stuff happens. Um, and like just the pressure of making the team, and 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 then with this film in particular, like uh, sexism in, in sports and stuff is a is a big issue in it. Obviously, since it's about like female baseball team. Yeah, um, yeah. But my point being that I, I actually think. Um, It's funnier than Major League and Bull Durham, which which are both lean even more towards comedy or seem like they're even more comedic than A League of Their Own. Uh, And that's why I ended up loving it, because I caught it on. It was one of those movies that you just like catch on cable one day.
1: Yeah, and there's always a scene that that drags you in.
2: Yeah, exactly. And this is the type of movie, thankfully, unlike Major League, actually, specifically, and to a lesser extent, Bull Durham, um, that holds up on cable you know like yeah. the best the best jokes aren't cut out um, and i'm not like a guy who's like well it's a good clean comedy that's why i like it but like it just i didn't lose anything from watching it on cable uh, because it's it's like pg13 humor basically uh that's as dark as it gets anyway but it's dim- yeah i mean
1: it's really there's really like you know like a line of their movies that like i think super bad is terrible on cable
2: like it's you just it's, can't, unwatchable. it's unwatchable
1: yeah it's yeah so yeah i definitely get your point um, as for, yeah, so this movie, A League of Their Own, uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but if you haven't seen it, it's a fictionalized account of the real life, all American girls, professional baseball league, two sisters played by Gina Davis and Lori Petty are recruited to play in a women's baseball league during world war II. Their team is managed by ex big leaguer and alcoholic Jimmy Dugan played by Tom Hanks. Before we really get started, Rob, where is Jimmy Dugan on your sports movie coach or manager Mount Rushmore?
2: um i mean for me he's at the top because that's what made he's what made me first and foremost fall in love with the movie he was kind of like the trojan horse if you will or probably what they call it where it's like oh like we're not gonna get men to be able to watch a girls sports movie without a great male character and like tom hanks hits it out of the park no pun intended um yeah like i think he he is my number one coach he's hysterical uh, he, he's he like personality wise. Great. If you want to talk about an actual coach personality wise, great and tactically sound.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we, uh, I, I want to start with like what worked baseball wise, what was realistic, what was authentic. And I think the first thing to start with is that, like you said, Hanks knocked it out of the park. I think he was perfect.
2: Yeah. And he even talks, uh, baseball in a way that, you know, makes sense. And he, uh,
1: Tom Hanks got down how to uh, give a sign, you know? Yeah, the, the scene with him and Gina Davis.
3: What are you, stupid?
1: Somebody's got to run the team, Jimmy.
0: You know, someone who actually watches the games. You're gonna squeeze butt with our best hitter?
1: What's the sign to swing away?
0: Hey, blonde girl!
1: What's the huh? sign to swing away? It's the letters. The infield's deep, a squeeze will work. Stop thinking when you're t- you went what a big inning! You're
0: better!
2: Yeah, exactly, where they're just like literally speaking a language in hand signs, and baseball signs. Um, I mean, it's like four minutes long, or not four minutes long, but it's really long. It's an impressive scene. And you can tell that they they learned something. They're not just making, they're not just flailing around,
1: which is like incredible. He makes you really buy in that he was like an ex-Big Leaguer, like an old salty baseball guy. One of the things that, it's like subtle, but he... Um, he spits a chew well like it doesn't look foreign it's not um I think the worst example is Brad Pitt and Moneyball where he just does doesn't look comfortable dipping and Tom Hanks just looks fine just having a hog sitting in his lip which I think is (laughs) something if you've ever spent time in a baseball dugout is like something like really telling and normal
2: oh yeah that's what I mean that's just what you're doing you just got you just gotta log in there uh, but yeah, he does that well. He does the alcoholic in general well, just like the, yeah. pe- the piece of shit. Go- he, and he looks perfect. He makes drinking in the 1940s seem like the worst thing you can do. Like he's just perpetually hung It doesn't look like there's a cure for his hangover. And it's all it's not even like oh I went out and party last night last night drunk. It's like I'm I've been drinking whiskey on the bus for
1: hours he walks the first time he walks into their locker room when he just looks like he's on a different planet. First thing he does is rip up that baseball card that, uh, that the woman get. Yeah. Betty spaghetti gives him, which was owned by her soon to be KIA husband. Yeah. yeah. So that didn't, that didn't age well very quickly. And then just takes a leak in front of, in front of everyone. Yeah. Um, but he was, I mean, Hanks is believable and it's right before he goes on just like a killer run. I think it goes like Philadelphia, Gump, just every pretty much everything he did until like Larry Crown just crushed it. Yeah, yeah. No, this
2: is the beginning of Tom Hanks's like hot streak. Uh because before this he had done obviously like famous movies, but he was actually still very much in his kind of like um in his uh comedy phase because he started out as like a comedic actor.
1: Yeah, he did a uh, bachelor party and, and the Burbs, yeah, and uh, a couple yeah a couple other things, and then yeah, this is uh, this is the beginning of America's Dad.
2: This is it. It's so he has one more movie between A League of Their Own and Philadelphia, in which he's still kind of like the comedic leading man before he goes like hard serious, and that is um, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. This oh, is the last, god! Is, is the last one. And then he goes and then he straight into Philadelphia. Then it goes Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo thirteen. I mean he still keeps comedy in there. Forrest Gump's a comedy, I guess. Uh, it's lighthearted.
1: Yeah, but he um yeah, this was definitely the launching point. And yeah, I mean he crushed he's the he's really the soul of the movie. Like he he makes it very believable. What else worked for you, uh, baseball wise? Because I think there's a lot.
2: Uh, I thought the I thought all the women were pretty proficient in terms of like form and stuff like that. Same, um, Kit. I had no like Kit was a better pitcher than Tim Robbins and Bull Durham. Like I believe. Agreed, agreed. That's uh, not even a hot take. It's like no. very
1: accurate. She had the Juan Marichal leg kick going on.
2: Yeah, she she did. I li- and I like that. Like when I throw, I ha- I, ha- I have a high leg kick because I got no arm strength. Um, when I like pitch, you know, I gotta get gotta get as much body into it as possible. Uh, and that would make sense for a chick to do too. By the way, mm-hmm. like, a, yeah, no, no woman's going to like be, uh, you know, doing a short step off the off the mound, like pitching out of the stretch for them. I can't, probably like playing catch.
1: Yeah, I thought the baseball action. I thought everyone, and I, I did like a little bit of digging, and all the actresses trained and stuff, and and um, but I, th- I thought it all looked realistic, like the tryout at the beginning at what's supposed to be Wrigley Field. Um, it is Wrigley look, Field, yeah, it, well, it's, um, it's Harvey oh, field, Harvey field. Yeah. yeah Harvey yeah, yeah. field. Harvey's the stand in for Wrigley. Um, yeah. but yeah, they, uh, I mean, it all looks realistic and I think there's, there's sort of like a, like kind of like a graph with the line, just a straight, like diagonal line, like going up, like the, basically like, um, the, the older, the sporting event takes place, like the older the movie is, the less athletic everyone has to look. Very versus true. like versus like if it was taking place in 2019, there'd be a lot like higher standards of how the athletes are supposed to look. But it's like on episode one of this podcast, we did remember the Titans and like 70s high school football players have to look a lot less athletic than 2019 high school football players. So oh, yeah. as far as that, yeah, as far as this being, you know, takes place, I think, in 1943, I think it, the baseball action worked. I mean, it works better than a lot of baseball movies that take themselves even more seriously.
2: It, yeah, it does. And um, the other thing that's funny, not necessarily baseball action, but it's baseball adjacent, is um,
1: the stadiums are awesome. Oh, they're so cool. Like this old minor league field. Yeah. You know, they got that old feel.
2: Yeah. No, you know, all it's really just uh, behind the plate and down the lines. Um, yeah. Almost like an A-ball team type of feel to it. It's just... I love the stadiums they were yeah it's
1: really aesthetically pleasing from like an old baseball kind of feel
2: yeah totally I don't know where they found those or if they built them or what uh I assume that the stadium that the championship was played in was at the time just a like a triple a or really I think it was uh, I
1: looked into it I should have this in front of me and I don't I think it was a rookie ball stadium
2: okay yeah yeah it looked nice it looked Mm -hmm. But obviously not humongous. And then the other ones, like, but the little dusty ones, like, I don't know where they went to shoot that, Um, but they were perfect. Like, it looked, and it looked of the era, too. It both made me want to go watch a game in that era, and also made me think that, like, after eight minutes of being in one of those stadiums, I would, I would hate it from just, like, a comfort standpoint. Like, it's like...
1: You'd have splinters in your ass.
2: Yeah, it's like sitting on, like, a a very shitty parked, like, picnic table. Like... (laughs) Like not like, like a just like the worst park in a small town where is, that's picnic tables like 30 years old. Like that's how it would be. And seats would be tiny. And your elbow.
1: Ten. Yeah. Your elbow to elbow with everyone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone back then is like five, eight. Like I would hate that stadium very quickly, but it seems like it seems like a nice idea.
1: Yeah. You know what else worked really well? And I can't believe we've been recording for almost 13 minutes and we haven't mentioned it, but there's no crying in baseball.
0: Well, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why, you'd throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's that lump that's three feet above your ass.
3: (laughs) Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? (laughs) There's no crying.
0: There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. (laughs) Rogers Hornsby was my manager. And he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No, (laughs) no. And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. No crying. No crying.
2: There is absolutely not. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, that's got to be a top 10 sports line, if not top five. It's almost,
1: it's a borderline meme. It's, I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And and it's kind of, it goes on because he's, he's riding, um, he basically rides her the whole time, all all season about um, missing the cutoff man. And that's kind of the start of it is the, the, you know, there's no crying in baseball.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a running gag throughout it. Mm-hmm. But it, it really did endure, it's honestly like no crying in baseball is like, uh, it, I think it, it has endured as much as first rule of Fight Club, you know what I mean? Because you'll see stuff like, uh, you know, like no crying in meetings, or like no crying, in, no crying at brunch, like type, you know what I mean? Like people say that, and it's based off of that line the same way it's like, you know, first rule of uh, whatever. Is yeah, don't it, talk it about it transcended
1: whatever. baseball.
2: It did, I it did. It's like a, it was like a meme before memes. You know what I mean? It was like a thing you would say, like, "There's no crying." You would, you know, like someone would complain, like at, in a game of beer pong, you'd be like, "There's no crying in beer pong." Like that type Yeah, of... it's
1: just, it's another way that, that Hanks just crushed it. One more thing is that uh, Jimmy Dugan was way ahead on analytics because the first time he really steps up to be the manager, to actually, it's that scene we were talking about where they're just, they're, you know, throwing out signs, is they said, we're not going to bunt with our best hitter. We want a big inning. That's, yeah. that's 2019 as hell. Oh, yeah.
2: He's, I mean, he Jimmy Dugan is an advocate of uh, launch angle and all kinds <laughs> of. It.
1: He's yeah. he's home runner don't run he's a tr- he was definitely probably like a true three outcomes guy.
2: Absolutely. Well, when he's taking batting practice in that one scene, he uh the one thing he regrets is um hitting into a double play.
1: Yeah. He's like, "Ah, yeah. hit a double play." Even that that like session of batting practice, I really like that scene just like the old has been. He's out there, he's still like enjoying it. He's still kind of like thinking about it from that terms like he's not just like enjoying you know hitting the ball he's like oh shit i just rolled into a double play
2: yeah which is really enjoyable he wants to get he wants to get air under that ball
1: yeah um something else that i i liked uh the scene where it, it ends up leading to uh to kit the younger sister being traded but the um when he when he pulls her out of the game and kit is essentially doing that john lackey gif where he's basically screaming fuck when he finds out he's getting pulled yeah I, I like I like that scene of uh, of her fighting to stay in the game and, and him eventually deferring to Gina Davis, seeing you know, what she thinks, deferring to Dottie and uh, and she says she's she's done. I like I thought that was an effective scene.
2: I agree. Although uh, Kit kind of pissed me off. Like I kind of thought Kit was a drama queen, a little, you know, she's dramatic about things. I'm, I'm the oldest sibling, so I, I, I identify with Dottie uh so i
1: was gonna i was gonna get into this later in the pod but i guess we can talk about it now which sister would you rather have which on the surface seems seems uh obvious since Dottie was considered you know the best player in the league um and just based on what you just said off kit which sister would you rather have on your team who would you want to go to war with for 162 games
2: I'm taking Dottie all the way over 162. It's got to be uh, Dottie. I mean, maybe Kits some sort of Madison Bumgarner, but uh, you know where she just goes nuts in the playoffs. But um, I mean, over a full season, I, I'm taking I'm taking Dottie, and then I'll and then and then also Dottie had a pretty monster series in the well. World she the only series.
1: had one, she had she had one game though. Is the thing? Well, yeah, that's true. But so she, was,
2: she crushed it in that game. She She did you're not
1: so you're not necessarily wrong. You're not, but just to play like devil's advocate, kit is a fucking gamer. Like she basically she won the she won the world series, she won game seven just out of sheer brute force and will, and she is there to Kit will show up and get dirty for all 162 games. Dottie not only quit right before the World Series to to drive back with her husband Bill Pullman, uh to uh, To go back to Oregon or wherever the hell she was her, from, but her, she almost her quit wounded,
2: Her wounded American hero
1: husband. All right, he didn't look that wounded. He walked in fine. He had and a cane. Like, yeah, but wh- I mean, what's the what's the harm of staying for seven more games? She just packs up and leaves the squad. And it wasn't the first time she was going to leave because remember she was leaving right before. They traded Kit, because that's why they traded Kit, because she was going to just pack up and quit, because things got tough. So that's really just like my devil's advocate. Like, you know, are are you sure you want to go to war for Dottie? I'll
2: go to war for Dottie. Dottie came back. I mean, she was was a stud. How many times times does she have to learn that lesson? Like, like, is she going (laughs) to need to learn it again? Although, I will say this. I mean, if you're just talking about the future prospects of the two, like... Obviously, I'm taking Kit because even if Dottie stays in the league, like Dottie probably wants to get pregnant immediately. No, hundred percent. you know, like she's Dottie's going to go on the
1: DL three times over the next five years. I'm uh, not giving Dottie a long-term contract because I don't know if she's she's really in it for the long haul.
2: Right, Kit. Doesn't I don't want to give
1: her that Manny Machado money.
2: No, and Kit doesn't have a man. Kit Kit doesn't have any prospects for a man. Um, so she's you know. She's not going to be knocked up any time. Like, she could be on the DL.
1: And her kid's going to play ball until her arm falls off, which I really respect. In the last game, she was, like, filthy on the mound. Like, it looked like she had been rubbing dirt in her face.
2: I know. She was just, she's just crazy. Like, she's just throwing shit in her face and, like, getting all psyched up because she fucking hates her sister so fucking much.
1: Yeah, I think that worked. I think the whole, the dynamic between them, the older sibling giving a lot of advice, like, calm advice to the younger sibling... Um, the younger sibling just like you know blaming everything, and the older sibling like if you've played sports and if you've played sports with your siblings, like that is genuine. That works.
2: Oh, absolutely. The, but the problem is that the little 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 the little brothers and sisters never win unless like they just happen to get some freak genetics, like like they got all the good genes into one body. That it's usually not the case.
1: One last question before we go to what didn't work. Do you think Dottie let that ball drop on purpose? Did you, when, when she got railroaded at home? Do you think she let it out of her hands on purpose?
2: I do. I did from the from the beginning, and I know it's kind of like a conspiracy theory. And I think even uh, the uh,
1: the writer of the movie, yeah, or Penny director. Marshall,
2: the writer and the movie, uh, the writer and director of the movie, uh, Penny Marshall said she didn't, and uh, Gina Davis, who plays Dottie.
1: I don't know. She was way too happy after the game watching her sister win. That was yeah. another, that was another yeah. strike against Dottie for me. Like everyone else on your team is crying and sad and you're like smiling. Dude, that, that pissed not that, gonna fly.
2: that pissed me off too. Like the other peaches were so sad. Like she, it was, it's selfish. She chose the sister over the, over the whole group, over her, over her team. But I really think she did do that. But I like credit where I, I will give her credit. Like she didn't, Throw the whole game. I think she just—it was a split second decision because when she's up to bat, in um, you know, in the inning uh, before that, when she uh, takes the lead on her hit, you know, she narrows her eyes. She's like, you know, I'm better than all these motherfuckers, and just rips a ball. You know, like she
1: Dottie gets killer. her numbers. She yeah, she she definitely she, gets her numbers.
2: She had the killer instinct in her eyes. Like she looked like a murderer. Like she looked ready to go. And even when Kit was at bat, you can tell. She has a moment where she doesn't know what to do. And then she goes out to the mound and she says, hi, hard ones. She can't hit him, can't lay can't off them. You know, she gives... That's
1: gave true. The, she did. Yeah, she did give the scouting report.
2: Yeah, she gave the exact scouting report and, you know, wanted to get her out. And I, and I, I think, I don't think she thought that Kit was finally going to catch up to it. Because that had never been mentioned before in the movie. She only ever said you need to lay off them. You can't hit them. She was never like, it was never like a plot point where she was like, I know you'll be able to do it one day. Like you'll hit that high, hard one one day kid.
1: Yeah. There was never encouragement on her part. Yeah. it was just like, you dumb bitch, stop swinging at the high fastballs. Yeah. So really you take, you take the good with, with the bad with Dottie. You just, you kind of take what you're getting. It's like, it's like if you have Albert bell on your team, I mean, not the same kind of personality, but like he's going to hit 50 home runs. He might do something really bad, but he's going to hit 50 home runs.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I do think it was a split second decision. The same way Albert Bell, you know, I don't know what Albert Bell did, like have a bunch of DUIs or something. Like I know he took steroids, but he was also like a shitty person. I, I don't know. Let's just say just she, she, her split second decision of dropping the ball is just like Albert Bell's split second decision to drink a, a bottle of Hennessy and, and drive home. Or whatever. To uh,
1: to truck whoever he I can't remember who he trucked at second base but he just murdered him.
2: Oh, see, I thought he had like some personal issues too. Oh he, uh, no, he
1: did. He did too. Okay, I <laughs> oh, just a split second decision. He, <laughs> he, oh yeah, no Albert Bell, all around, all that, around shit bag, Albert yeah. Bell. Um, getting into to Kit on the uh, the high ones that she can't lay off. I think that's a good transition into you know stuff that didn't work and with this movie like. It's pretty like nitpicky stuff. There's not really a whole lot that, you know, as any any sports fan or any baseball fan can see, like, oh, that's egregious. Like that didn't work. But the first softball game, like they open when Kit and Dottie are playing softball for like the dairy team. Yeah. Kit was missing the softball by three feet. Like oh, there wasn't, she wasn't just missing the high out, like the, the one high and out. Like she was, she was missing by like the size of a small child. Yes.
2: I, yeah, I agree with that. She was, she really came a long way on those high hard ones. Uh, yeah. From the, <laughs> like the to the feet to the a long way. It's actually an easier adjustment where, you know, it's just like, Hey kit, just uh swing three feet higher. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that was because that's the first action you see in the movie. And you're like, oh, my God, that's uh, that's not it's not a good look. And the same with stuff like that. There's nitpick ball flight stuff Um, in that softball game. Dottie gets a hit that you see it like rolls to the fence, but you see it start to come down around second base before it rolls to the fence. Like it's going to be like a lazy pop up. Yeah. Um, Madonna hit a I don't can't believe we haven't talked about Madonna yet is all I know but uh she hits a dribbler like off the bat you can just tell if you've ever played it's a dribbler and it go it's a triple like off the wall yeah um and then there's some fly balls that were clearly like just thrown softly at the uh like they're coming in from like a straight angle very slow um caught fly balls but it's all like nitpick stuff
2: yeah uh so there is actually one huge one one humongous one but it's not really Uh, sports nitpick it's actually just a terrible edit and Mm -hmm. it's it's so bad that i don't know how it made it into the film what's that it's it is a glaringly bad edit i I want you to go back and look at it right now it's during the wrigley field training scene find that on youtube um you might need to just like edit to go ahead or something but uh the training scene at wrigley field uh they're just kind of showing a montage of uh girls uh, you know, like fielding grounders, throwing the ball, taking fly balls, and and shit everyone's like that.
1: sliding and stuff.
2: Yeah, it's just all all baseball stuff. And uh, but they, but they're cutting around the field, right? All of a sudden, there's one quick cut of Betty Spaghetti, going for a fly ball, uh, and catching it. I believe, and it is so clearly not Wrigley Field slash Harvey Field that it's it's jarring. Like it's you. She's in the outfield, and you see the fence, which is only like ten feet behind her, and it is a gray wooden fence with a yellow line painted on the top of it, and nothing behind it. Oh like, no, a field behind it. Like, and it's just cut in there to the point where they must have been like, for some unnecessary reason, like, well, we have to have a shot of Betty Spaghetti catching a fly ball, otherwise, like, otherwise the scene is fucked. Like, like it's like for some reason they had to have thought oh no, this is going to ruin the movie if we don't have Betty Spaghetti in the training montage. Because, I mean, it, it's one of the most egregious cuts I've ever seen in
1: any film. It's like they got to the editing room and they were like, all right, so where's that Where's that clip of of Betty during uh, during tryouts? They're like, oh They're shit, like, she oh, wasn't oh, there. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> didn't get it. <laughs> Someone fly, fly her out to her local Little League field and let's get this done. Literally, that's what it looks like. Like they shot it at
2: one of the... Um, like, everyday fields that they shot, like, the regular uh, women's league games at or whatever. Like, it, it, it's a completely different field. It's unbelievable how bad it is. Um, but, yeah, that that was the only glaring uh, thing. That, and I guess, <laughs> I don't know if it's glaring. It's probably realistic. But uh, John Lovitz. Um, oh, man. You know, overlooking the hitting prowess of Marla Hooch.
1: Oh, so bad. Just because she was, just because she was an Ugo She was torching, that, dudes. just she was that, torching dudes. That wouldn't hold up in nineteen uh, or in two thousand nineteen.
2: No, not not a part of the culture today.
1: That wouldn't go over well. Yeah, Marla Hooch was just. I mean, how many windows did Marla Hooch break in that building? Like, how was that okay? i, I
2: th- yeah, I don't know if her dad owned it. Her dad seemed like she it seemed like she came from a rich family. Um, like her dad like owned like a. She comes from a small town. Like he owned like a hardware store or something, but it was a good hardware store. And yeah, it
1: was the one where everyone shopped.
2: Yeah, because he, he had enough money to hire a whole team for his his daughter to just rake against. As a Those sw- guys
1: never recovered. Because like, think about it. They're probably like 4F, like they couldn't get into the military. Right. So they're spending, so they're already like kind of ostracized for that. And they're just spending WW2 instead of like fighting the Germans. They're getting clowned on by Marla Hooch.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. tough. That's a tough their, look. Their friends are liberating concentration camps, and Marla Hooch, meanwhile, is just hitting
1: screamers at them. Liberating their fastballs. Yeah. Yeah. The only um the only baseball like strategy thing at all that you could say, like, eh, I don't know if that really works, was the championship game that last A B we were talking about with Dotty. There's runners on second and third. Are you really pitching to Dotty there?
2: I think in the 40s, you probably are.
1: I don't know. I feel like the 40s is even more of like that. Oh, we got to bunt them around or we got to, you know, you know, we got to play infield in, we got to walk, you know, intentional walks and stuff. I want the force out.
2: I want to force out at every base, which, by the way, is a terrible call 10 times out of 10 to load the bases for your pitcher and give them. See, so that's another thing. Was it the wrong call? I don't think so, because I hate loading the bases for your pitcher and telling them when it's a one run game, especially and telling them that they have no room for error and telling the hitter, you're going to see strikes. You're going to see a lot of fucking strikes because if you don't see,
1: I would agree 99% of the time. um, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a devout Keith law guy. I recommend everyone who likes baseball, read smart baseball. You know, I would say, don't, you know, don't walk the bases loaded, but like, you got to think like that's bonds coming up. That is that is 2004 Bonds, and he's got an OPS over like 1,200. And you got someone who's not Bonds on deck. You got Jeff Kent on deck. Very good player, but not Bonds. You probably got either Marla Hooch or Doris on deck.
2: Yeah, I wonder, I don't know where Dottie was hitting in the order, but what who was on, was May, May was on base, so May hits leadoff.
1: I think it was May and Doris are on base. Okay, so doors? I think Mays, Mays hitting lead off doors is hitting second. I think Dottie was likely hitting third. And then I would, I would bet that Marla Hooch is hitting cleanup.
2: Yeah. Especially if, if Dottie's hitting second, man, Dugan putting power in the two hole. Like Dug- Dugan was,
1: Dugan could manage today. He really could. I mean, I hope, I hope he killed it in, uh, in Memphis or wherever, Wichita, wherever he got a job after the movie. I hope he just crushed it. I'm sure he yeah. did.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only thing you can, I guess, argue with a little is, you know, we don't know what May's on base percentage was. I guess having the speedster in the leadoff spot's a little antiquated, but,
1: uh, you know, he more than made up for it. Yeah. Hopefully she's not like a Billy Hamilton there. Just all speed. No, no OVP skills. Right. Well, she makes up, she makes up
2: in, uh, in the war with her defense. uh, Madonna had some range in center field.
1: So on that subject, we, we, yeah, something we want to touch on in the pod is best on screen athlete and worst on screen athlete. I want to go worst first. Who is your worst? Because I have my pick.
2: Okay. Uh, The worst one that I can think of. uh, I'll be honest. I was not a fan of the uh, pitching delivery of kits. Ellen Sue. Yeah, Ellen Sue. Um, Ellen the- Sue had some
1: long limbs. Looks like she got good extension out there.
2: She did, she had like a short, she had like a, a, just a short uh, uh, windup though. Like almost like a, it was almost like a jab of a windup, you know, like just a little bit and then like all, looked like it was all upper body. I I, I just wasn't a fan of of her mechanics. Even if she, even if she, uh, I guess finds a way to make that work, you know, that's not in the long term. that's not gonna be good for her arm. She's putting too much stress on her arm. That's going to come back to bite her.
1: It's before TJ too. Once that elbow goes, she had nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nothing it's just to help too her. much
2: or even the shoulder. Like, I don't know what she's overworking, but yeah, it's, I didn't, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a fan of that. Um,
1: Ellen Sue was played by Freddie Simpson and this is really her only notable acting role.
2: She was a, a Miss Georgia, I believe in real life as well as in the film. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I, th- I, she was, if she wasn't Miss, she was definitely Miss Georgia in the film and i think she was maybe i'll have to look at the trivia real quick but i think she was maybe like a, at least like a beauty queen in in real life yeah that that would line up
1: my worst was uh was madonna i okay. thought madonna was a clear step down from everyone else um i thought she looked awkward in the outfield she was she had a couple of the fly balls that were clearly thrown very soft at a low angle at her yeah, um, I, re- I her remember her. swing didn't her, look like there was anything behind it. So, and I, well, I read we've, some we've trivia about it. we yeah.
2: established that she's a light hitting center field. She she might be an actual Billy Hamilton.
1: She really might. Um, I also read some trivia that she was terrible to the, the people of the town that they were filming. I think it was like Evansville. To be, so, fair,
2: th- to be fair, this is prime Madonna. This is Madonna at, at the height of her fame in some shitty Midwestern town.
1: Yeah, can you, you, know, you imagine like, Madonna in Evansville? No, like that, where's, that's like a, that's like, well, I was going to say that's like Lady Gaga in Evansville, but she did that dive bar tour. So Lady Gaga might have literally been in Evansville.
2: Yeah, no. Yeah. Lady Gaga is definitely more accepting of of the dives than 93. Madonna. I mean, 93 Madonna was just like what? I have to have an orgy and a holiday inn. Are you kidding me? Like this place is
1: disgusting. Like I need what a set dynamic that must have been. Like yeah, Rosie they, O'Donnell and Madonna, best friends.
2: I mean, to be fair, they're both. I think they're both New Yorkers in real life, so at least they could probably get get along with. Them. I think Gina Davis and Madonna would be is the more awkward. That's fit. true. That's a good point. Like conservative ass Gina Davis, like quiet, like stately. Almost, if if, if there was ever a, a woman you could call a handsome woman it's Gina Davis. It is, it is. That
1: is a very accurate description of Gina Davis. Just
2: this modest, obviously she's pretty, but like it, she's still in like a very modest way. It's like, if you saw a pretty Mormon, you know, like it's not (laughs) like like pretty in a modest way versus like 93 Madonna taking Polaroids of her bush and like mailing it to strangers or whatever Madonna did in 1993. Um, Like that's, that's, that's the, the, uh, difference that is the weirdest to me. Cause even, uh, Lori Petty, like Lori Petty in real life is kind of like a spacey. Yeah. Very spacey. Like she she, had that
1: run on orange is the new black where she's like conspiracy theorist kinda mm -hmm. that is like clearly Lori Petty. This was, was this before after point break? This is after point break, isn't it?
2: I believe it's after Point Break, and I was going to say, she's probably much closer in real life to her character in Point Break, uh, or her character in In the Army now, than she is to... Oh man, shout out
1: Polly Shore. Yeah, to sweet little Kit from Oregon Dairy Farm. Although when Dugan throws her in the shower to cool off, I think that, and she's just screaming bloody murder, I think that's also kind of Lori Petty reflective of that personality. That's Lori Petty for
2: sure, yeah. But, like, sweet little, oh, shucks, come on, I just want to be a good baseball player,
1: too. Like, that's that's not real Lori Petty. Speaking of Lori Petty, who is your best on-screen athlete?
2: Uh, Honestly, it might have been Gina Davis. I mean, she was the best player. Um, it seemed like she got it down, more or less. She had an even swing. She had the uh,
1: size, too. She looked imposing. She looked much more imposing than the rest of the women. Absolutely. She was
2: the only woman that looked like imposing, truly. Like uh, Marla Hooch was a great hitter, but she was like pa- she was like the Pablo Sandoval of that league. You know what I mean? Oh, just, that's
1: good. That's a good comparison.
2: Yeah. Like she was just this squatty little player with a bunch of power. Gina Davis walked up there with like, uh, oh man, almost like a Mike Trout body. You know what I mean? Just like you're like, oh, that person's not that big. And then you like look at them up closer up and you're like, oh my God. Like
1: this she reminded per- me of like a prime Miguel Cabrera, but behind the dish, just like a pretty swing, just imposing, pretty silent.
2: Didn't Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera play low catcher back in the day?
1: No, I think he came up as a third baseman, like minus okay. 120 pounds. Yeah, yeah,
2: but you're right. She she had the Miguel Cabrera build, just pure muscle. Hopefully, she did not have the late seat, the late uh, career Miguel
1: Cabrera body. Yeah, I don't I don't see that coming from Gina Davis. I think she's no. I think she's gonna she's always gonna have that same build. Yeah. Um I thought Rosie O'Donnell looked the part. I thought I thought she swung the bat well. She kind of had the actions. They showed her a lot at third, just kind of being like loud New Yorker at third base. And uh I thought it worked. I thought yeah. I I could see, you know, I could see Rosie O'Donnell, you know, man in the hot corner uh for the um for Rockford for a long time. I can see that. She actually, I do
2: remember thinking this, that she had a pretty good um, exchange from uh, fielding the ball to throwing it
1: mm-hmm. from
2: from glove to hand. Uh, I will say this in the, in the uh, uh, trivia section of IMDb, it's a little tidbit here, Gina Davis joined the production as a late replacement for Deborah Winger uh, a few days before filming was due to start. So Davis That is... would have been a
1: completely different movie. It would have been, but here's the... Deborah important... Winger brings a completely different perspective. Here's the important part, though. Davis' character... I'm
2: just reading verbatim off the thing. Uh, Davis' character was supposed to be one of the greatest female baseball players in America, and the cast had been doing baseball training for months, but Davis hadn't, obviously, because she was her late replacement. It says, within weeks, Davis had mastered the game and was regularly beating all of her co-stars in the d- drills or whatever. It's funny
1: how that worked out. Yeah,
2: I mean, she just looks like an athlete. It wouldn't surprise me if she
1: she has some sort of athletic background. Yeah,
2: I bet you she played it. I mean, at least high school sports like that body. Like, how does that body not play like volleyball or something?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, this isn't this wouldn't be best movie athlete, but I just want to give a shout out to the geriatrics playing at the uh, the Hall of Fame. The hall of fame stadium, the, uh, yeah. like the, the, old women, they could, I don't know if they got like young women and dressed them up old or no, those what were, was those, going on, but yeah, they were, looked like they could still swing it. Those were actual like old chicks.
2: I even, uh, even, and, and like the old lady that's the stand in for Gina Davis, that, that old lady really looks like Gina Davis, but it's not.
1: Did you know that they dubbed Gina Davis's voice on that old lady?
2: I did not know that. So that makes I a lot of sense. I read that in the
1: IMDb. I read that in the IMDb trivia before we started recording. They dubbed Gina Davis's voice on that woman and now when I watch that scene that's all I can think about.
2: Fuck, you just ruined that last scene for me.
1: Yeah, I did. It's you're not, gonna, you're not going to you're not going to watch it the same, trust yeah. me.
2: <laughs> no. Man, that explains so much that I've wondered for so so long.
1: Rob, what does this movie look like in 2019?
2: uh insufferable probably uh it, it was very like effortless efforts it was very effortlessly feminist um it didn't beat you over the head with you know um women are great at sports too women are uh, equals women uh, have value it didn't beat you over the head with any of that so there's a um an old screenwriting really just an old writing like story writing uh, rule, but especially with screenwriting, um, show, don't tell, you know what I mean? Like get mm-hmm. the, get the point across there. So in screenwriting, that's usually literal, you know, it's usually don't use dialogue to, to like, don't just say what's happening, like show what's happening. Don't just be like, Oh my gosh, this, this, and this is happening. It's, um, I forget the word for it. Uh, cause I'm a little high right now, but, uh, But anyway, yeah, so it's show don't tell. But even in a broader sense, that also means like, don't beat people over the head with it. You know what I mean? Don't just like turn to the camera and be like, women are as good as men. Like, you know, make a compelling argument with the story. Don't, don't just, don't be, don't be pandering about it and all that stuff. And this movie does that so well. Like, it Mm -hmm. just shows you, it just in the storytelling in how quickly you relate to these characters um, and their various, you know, personality types and how quickly you root for the Peaches and for, you know, the girls on the Peaches. Like, even when they're annoying, like, there are scenes where uh, Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell are kind of, like, the villains for a scene. Like, they're the They're right in the beginning
1: in the tryout.
2: Yeah, and even in a couple other scenes, they're kind of antagonists. Like, remember when Kit gets in a fight. It's with Rosie O'Donnell, who's kind of like the antagonist in that scene. Or you can maybe say Kit was the antagonist in that scene. Um, But yeah, so they have their moments, but even still you root for them and you understand them as like who they are. And so it attaches you to them and it makes you uh, empathize with them. And that, and it does that without like beating you over the head uh, with it. The way like say like that Gillette commercial like yeah, it's narration and was very heavy-handed. It's not heavy-handed. It it just it just makes a compelling case by showing these people as people. It doesn't feel the need to um, turn to the camera and tell you what to think or anything like that. And that that's just such a great part of that. It's the so one thing, the, movie to me. the
1: subtle thing they did that they showed, kind of showed without saying it though, was that African Americans weren't allowed to play. Yes. In the uh, in the in the league. And they do that by having the ball rolls over to that woman, um, that African-American woman who's like in, you know, in foul territory near the stands. And she throws an absolute zinger back at Gina Davis and just like smiles. So you make this if you make this movie in 2019, it's set in 2019. I think it's definitely more like multiracial. You obviously you don't have the league set up. Because everyone's at war. I think it's more likely that the plot is uh, there's an MLB labor stoppage because owners won't pay players. And uh, and that's why you've got to have a, a women's league in 2019.
2: So it's like uh, The Replacements?
1: That the Basically. Ke- Keanu Reeves movie? It's feminist. Oh, that's another great movie. God, I love that movie.
2: Yeah. So, I yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it would definitely be, it's it's feminist message, which is fine. Like, I'm not like, feminist? Um, it's, it's female empowerment message, I think would be, uh, far more heavy handed today, or maybe I'm just more cynical about things made today. Yeah, I don't,
1: yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. Um, yeah. as far as I was trying to think who would be in that movie if it was made now, you know, who would take the ro- the, the roles. Jennifer Lawrence was the first person who came to mind as who could like be kind of tomboyish like Gina Davis, but also still like be attractive because that's what they were looking for in that role right um, um, I also do you remember Monet Davis the Little League sensation yes it'd be perfect perfect to get her into Hollywood
2: it would be she would be I think she would play you know maybe not Kit but like uh Ellen Sue or something like a yeah someone with a strong arm someone who also pitched because she probably yeah. wouldn't I no, don't no offense to Monet Davis I could be totally wrong about this but she might not have the acting chops to take uh, a lead role like Kit
1: Sure. Yeah, because I thought about like, oh, maybe you know, you uh, you go for just straight up athletes, and you bring in like Jenny Finch and Jessica Mendoza, but that might that might fare poorly, you know, with the acting chops.
2: Yeah. Well, I yeah, I don't know. Je- I like Mendoza as a uh, uh, commentator on ESPN. Yeah, I like um, her in the booth. But like, even in the booth, she sounds a little. Her she makes great points, but she sounds very. uh not rehearsed, but just like very like, it sounds like she's speaking into a microphone. You know what I mean? Like she's not. It's not that she's unnatural. It's that she's trying very hard to sound professional. So I'm afraid she might bring that same stiltedness almost to to the role. I don't. I don't know about Jenny Finch. Uh, I've never seen Jenny Finch act. But yeah. uh, as far as uh, he, I think, I think you got to have Ariana Grande as All the Way May.
1: I don't know. I was thinking that All the Way May. You might just bring back Madonna.
2: <laughs> she'd madonna, love it has madonna transplanted her brain into a younger body yet i assume she's going to seek that she's 100 percent
1: looking for it yeah
2: in, in in lieu of that i'm going ariana grande is all the way may and i feel like even though she's australian i think maybe she's british i don't, I don't know
1: you like margot so,
2: robbie no i was gonna say rebel wilson at third base oh that'd be good
1: that'd be good um yeah because i feel like um melissa mccarthy that jumped she jumped out to me too but she might just be a little too little too senior for that i think she's too old i do yeah
2: uh although they'd probably try to stick her in there somewhere as uh she that seems like a vehicle she'd be in i'm trying to think of you know what you could do you could stick melissa mccarthy as marla hooch
1: oh that'd be that'd be a good one just kind of like a, a more a more stunted version of her character from Bridesmaids.
2: Exactly like I like it just like I just yeah
1: yeah I wrote down three potentials as Jimmy Dugan okay I've got a rod just fully completing his circle of redemption (laughs) be the be the final the final nail in the the circle of redemption for a rod
2: a A A rod might have that Jessica Mendoza or is it Jessica or Jennifer I can't remember Jessica Jessica Mendoza yeah that's what I thought I, I don't know why I thought Jennifer uh oh Jenny Finch um Anyway, A-Rod might have that Mendoza problem I mentioned times 10. Like, just like so intensely trying hard to be perfect that he comes off even more robotic than he already does. Because you can tell he, every time he talks in the booth or in um, pregame on Fox, like, it looks like he memorized all of his answers. Yeah, he's the night A-Rod
1: is like the king of the prepared statement, but I, it would be so Dugan has his demons, you know, with alcoholism. It'd just be funny if not funny, but it'd be something to bring if like A-Rod just starts telling the players like, yeah, you know, I juiced. I uh, just starts starts uh, starts offering up needles or creams or anything, <laughs> and they've got to talk him out of it. Dude, actually, um,
2: a, a character based on A-Rod instead of Jimmy Dugan that's just roiding all the time or Bonds <laughs> or or Bonds or McGuire, for that matter. Uh oh. it's just like. Or, oh my god, well, what would be really perfect is if it's, uh, so, you know who, like, the the Jimmy Dugan equivalent of that age would be for now? It'd be, it'd be Jose Canseco. Oh my god. So you would just need, I'm trying to think of a The legendary
1: Twitter account, Jose Canseco.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of a Latino actor around that age who's, like, the only one I can think off the top of my head is, like, Luis Guzman, but he can't be, like, he, this guy's got to be jacked. Luis Guzman is, like, a
1: Yeah, because I'm, troll. like, I'm thinking of, like, Michael Pena, and he's not, he's not the fit there if He's not either.
2: quite there. I'd be, like, Lou Gossett Jr.
1: Okay, I see yeah, it.
2: Yeah, Lou Gossett Jr. for a, uh, for a, uh, Jose Canseco stand-in. As,
1: so that's the Jimmy, Jose Dugan... <laughs> <laughs> if you want to straight up replicate uh hanks as dugan you either go hanks and just say you know it's it's jimmy dugan in his 60s yeah. or uh john Hamm. i feel like I john ham would make a great jimmy dugan because he's uh, a big baseball guy
2: i agree i think john Hamm would be an a plus jimmy dugan and yeah he would know his baseball stuff from without even trying i mean he huge cardinals fan played baseball for a season at texas i think uh
1: yeah, Ham's a great choice. He's yeah, he's he's a savvy baseball guy. I, I could just I could see him he, stepping into the Jimmy Dugan role admirably. But um yeah, all in all, this movie, this movie goes. I mean, this it's like you said it's rewatchable. The baseball action like for the purpose of this podcast, the sports centric stuff holds up really really well. Um it's going to hold up well forever and it's just an enjoyable movie.
2: Well, and the baseball storylines are are not contrived either. Like they're very it's very natural. Yeah, in, incredibly natural. Between I mean there's uh pretty natural like position battles, uh clubhouse tension is probably as good as anything you see you see in any other baseball movie.
1: Um I'm trying to think what else. Just I like uh, one thing I like about this movie that's it's really good for just the sports centric purpose as well as just like the feel of the movie is that in a lot of sports movies, like the other team is the big bad, like in major league, they're working up to beat the, you know, beat clue Haywood and the Yankees. Right. Um, you know, there's always this team that's like the, you know, the big bad at the end of the tunnel. And this is more like the team you're, you're riding the team in their highs and their lows and their stuff, and you're not really worried about who they're playing. You're not even as much worried about if they're winning or not, which is what I think makes this a really good sports movie. Yeah, it's very much about um
2: the sport and not necessarily the game. You know what I mean? Like it's not mm-hmm. it's it's more about the sport than it is about the competition. Um which is which is great to me. Cause you do still care who wins, like I was rooting for the peaches all the way.
1: Fuck kid. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I wanted. Uh, I wanted her to. uh wanted Dottie to just stuff kid at the plate.
2: Yeah, and I wanted. I wanted Jimmy to get a ring. Uh, one other J- thing, and
1: in that in that bonus, exactly bonus in his yeah. contract.
2: And another thing too, by the way, that I don't know for certain, uh, and I don't know if you do either, but you know, you can ask Brian McGannon, he because he worked in this. I bet you that it's realistic uh, to people who work in sports marketing too. In terms of like them trying to have to sell the league and get people to show up to games, I guarantee you there are people who work in sports marketing who watch that and they're like, oh, fuck, that's my whole week.
1: Yeah, you could ask anyone uh, trying to run the AAF right now. Literally, yeah. Trying to get yeah. a league like that off the ground. Wow, for anyone, probably literally the people running the WNBA.
2: <laughs> yeah, to a T. Yeah, like it's probably, it's got a, they probably watch that movie and are like, this is too real, I gotta turn it off.
1: Yeah, this movie. I think they put it in the Library of Congress, but it would be in the sports movie Library of Congress. Where I'm, I'm not sure where they would have the sports movie Library of Congress, right? But, uh, but it'd be in there. I mean, it's it's definitely an all timer. I think this is an inner circle sports movie. Personally, I don't think you could name.
2: I don't. I do not think there are ten sports movies better than this movie. No
1: way. No way. And I mean, and it's something. It, it's gonna. It's it appeals to people other than people who are like sports fans. Um, which, you know, I think it's it was a commercial hit and it's just it's a well well regarded movie in general. But think um, think, think about it this way.
2: It is literally uh, you're a dad, you'll appreciate this. I'm not yeah. even, I'm not anywhere close to a father, so I'm just pulling guessing here and pulling this on my ass, really. But I can't think of a better way to get any female and specifically a daughter of mine to to adopt my love of baseball than showing her this movie
1: that is a good point as soon as she's able to understand most of it that is a that is a really good point i mean because there's no i don't think there's a softball movie out there no and also
2: i mean look i've watched the women's college world series and i get entertainment out of that but like yeah a softball movie sounds awful
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> not, i trust me like i would love to be proved wrong i would like yeah. someone comes out with a great softball movie i'll go see it but right now you know for for females playing baseball you've got a league of their own and you've got a league of their own that's yeah. right that's a short list
2: it is on yeah i mean it's just it's just a great and i think one thing when a sports movie hits its like purest peak, its highest peak is when it, you know, checks all the other boxes of being like a great watchable movie and funny or, and, or dramatic, you know, like just, and you care about the characters, basically anything that makes a normal great movie. Uh, but one, the two things a sports movie has to do to be, uh, transcendently great is one represent either the spirit or the action of the game. Well, whether it's football, basketball, baseball whatever uh golf doesn't matter and it has to um be a great ambassador for that sport to the point where you would watch a movie you would watch that movie and think i'd like to watch that sport or hmm, there might be something to that sport and i you can't come think
1: off with a very positive opinion of it
2: of the sport yeah and i don't know how you can't walk away from a league of their own no matter who you are and not
1: like love baseball a little more. No joke. The watching the last scene. Um, Cause I, I, you know, today towards the end of the day, I, I finished up kind of watching it and, and getting my notes together and stuff. And that last scene when they win and it's the last, you know, it was, the, it was the last game and people are crying. Like I cried my last high school game. Cause I thought it was the last game I was ever going to play. I cried my last college game. Cause I knew it was the last game I was ever going to play. And it like, it brought me back like it it, it was like i i missed this sport. This sport is great. I can't wait for spring training games to start here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, oh my god. I'm so fucking excited. It's
2: even gonna be the, great.
1: Even though the Braves are like done making moves, I think unless they sign Kimbrel. I mean, with with how free agency's shaking out now, you you never know. This episode is going to air uh March 7th, so we've got a couple weeks. So You know, if if uh, if the Braves have made a ton of moves and you're like, what the fuck are these guys watching? That's why. Yeah. But um, as long as as long as Bryce Harper doesn't sign in the East. I'm happy. Yeah, I don't know. The Phillies. I'm I'm not I'm not going to. I'll try not to speak that into your existence. Rob, thanks so much for coming on the pod, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. uh, Is there anything you want to plug? What do you you know, what do you have going on? Where do where do people follow you?
2: Uh, Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rob Fox. Three, the three is spelled out T H R E E. Rob and Fox is, I mean, you know how to spell that. Um, so yeah, that's Rob at RobFox3 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, all right, dumb dick jokes on uh, Rare.com or Rare.us sometimes. Uh, otherwise, me, me and some people have a podcast coming out soon, but it'll be months and months after this airs, so there's no need to plug that yet.
1: Don't even have a name for it, but uh, yeah, so just follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Well, we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. Um you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. Most importantly, subscribe to this feed uh, wherever you get your podcasts, it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, tell your friends, tell anyone who likes sports movies. Um, rate, leave a five-star review. Um you know, just rate it, just share this pod. You can follow it on Twitter at Trouble Pod. You can follow it on Instagram at Trouble with the Script Pod and we'll be back next week with uh, USA Baseball's Darren Vaught doing Major League. So until then, see ya.